When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to the newest episode of Beyond the Fame with Jason Fraley. I'm your host, Jason Fraley, picking the brains of the top filmmakers, musicians, and artists of our time. Starting today, you can pick up a copy of the 30th anniversary Blu-ray of Fern Gully, The Last Rainforest, which hit movie theaters in 1992. I spoke with director Bill Croyer about the lost art of hand-drawn animation and why Fern Gully remains one of the most underrated animated flicks. Hey, Bill. Hey, thanks so much for joining us on WTOP in D.C. Happy to be here. Delighted to see you. We are talking because uh, there's a special uh, Blu-ray release of Fern Gully, The Last Rainforest. It came out in 1992. So as you can guess, it is the 30th anniversary, hard to believe, of this uh, classic animated movie. Um, Talk about, I guess uh, I want to go into the movie and memories of making and everything, but start with the Blu-ray release. Uh, Have you you watched the Blu-ray? Does it look... Uh, sharp and is it doing it justice <laughs> well i did more than watch the blu-ray I, I did all the i did the master transfer of the blu-ray from the original negative with our art director wendell luby i mean it was uh actually a great experience uh, wendell's been doing color timing for a lot of the big features in town and he was our guy originally him and ralph eggleston so he flew out in la we met and uh you know the great thing about fern gully as you probably know was that it was one of the last non-digital films yeah so the artwork, the paintings, and the cells were resolution independent because they were paintings. And then it was shot on film. So the emulsion is resolution independent. So when you take a high resolution 4K, ultra high dynamic range scan of that, it is absolutely amazing. It's like holding the artwork in your hand. And I have to tell you, it has never been better than this version. It looked, it knocked our socks off. We loved it. You know, we saw stuff that you almost can't see in the theater because of the uh, quality of the image. Oh, it, 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 we encourage everyone to to check it out. And like, it's such a great point, like you're saying, it was one of the final ones before digital started coming in. I know, uh, well, I mean, Toy Story, obviously in 95 was the first feature digital, but but even even backing up to 92 when Fern Gully came out, Aladdin, you know, that started to have some digital in there. Lion King would have some digital. So yeah, it was off to the races at that point. So it's a, it's a good point. That's a good point. What, what was the vibe doing? I mean, you were running, I guess it was Croyer Films at the time. Um, I know there was Don Bluth around the same time. But what was it like being, you know, the, the, the non-Disney camp? And being like, by the way, we put out really kick-ass animated movies too because Burn Gully was one of my childhood favorites. And uh, I feel like when people are ranking their best movies, they only talk about the Disney stuff. And this one, we really need to hold this up. What was it like being sort of in that, the, the well, extra you know, camp? <laughs> the thing was, is we were like the non-Disney Disney group group because right. you know you recall you know i did tron at 82 and yep. first computer animation and what happened disney kind of rejected that idea of doing computers you know if you remember john lasseter followed he sat in my room and watched me do tron and then he did the where the wild things are test and they fired him 
because they didn't want to do anything compute with computers. So I went off into the business and I came up with this idea of my own of combining computer animation with hand-drawn animation, which Disney didn't want to do. And I started my studio, but I attracted a lot of the people that were the Disney quality artists that wanted to do something new. So when you look at the roster and frankly, you know, Ralph Eggleston, art director, he did Toy Story and he did Nemo and he did The Incredibles. Tony Ficilli, the, the production, the, the character designer, he did all the Pixar films. So, you know, Andrew Stanton was one of our storyboard artists. So we had a very, very high quality crew when the Australians came to town to do this movie and they knew nothing about the Hollywood animation business. They discovered that there were no other Disney feature animation units other than Disney. So <laughs> they weirdly enough found us and they said, well, you're not a feature unit, but you guys have the quality. Do you think you can gear up? And we went, well, let's see, can we go from 17 to 170? Yeah, yeah, we can do that. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. And real, just while we're still sort of on that train of thought, remind me, um, didn't you, you, you worked, what was it, as an animator on some Disney's, like Fox and the Hound, which still breaks my heart if I even think about that movie. I cry immediately. But did, did you leave before Black Cauldron? Or how, how did that, when did that work for you? I left because of Black Cauldron. <laughs> you didn't want to work on that. On that didn't want to do it. Uh, Steve Lisberger came to town with this idea to do a film called Animal Olympics. And Steve, I don't know if you've ever talked to him, but he is an amazingly charismatic guy. And Animal Olympics just looked like a load of fun. It was going to be Warner Brothers style comic animation. And he just lured me away and he made me animation director of that movie. And we had a blast. And once again, we had a crew. We had Brad Bird. We had Roger Allers. You know, we had Dave Steffen. We had this amazing all-star crew making Animal Olympics. And then during the Animal Olympics, of course, we developed Tron and that's how I ended up back at Disney. So, Gotcha, gotcha. Well, th thanks for filling in, filling those gaps because yeah, I know Black Cauldron has a bit of a, uh, a negative <laughs> legacy, almost like the Disney, uh, what, um, uh, Renaissance with musicals and Little Mermaid. It's almost a reaction veering off after that. And then you're taking it off into Ferngully. Uh, so let's bring it back to Ferngully then. Um, so we've talked a lot about how the, the animation um, was, you know, a, a revolutionary slash some of the last of its kind. But talk about like the, the story, the themes of, of, you know, with the hexes and the loggers and the environmental themes in the rainforest. I mean, it's called the last rainforest, but talk about how how those themes um, are God, eerily prescient, too. They were and they're kind of universally applicable and not and never more so than right now. Ironically, you know, Fernbelly was a real simple idea. You know, it was about the web of life. It was that simple principle that even if you don't realize it, you're connected to everything and everybody, you know, what you do affects everybody in the world. So we personalize that with this young kid named Zach, who comes, he's just a college kid doing a summer job, has no deep thoughts about anything, you know, and then he ends up getting involved with nature personified by Krista the fairy, who is nature. And in doing so, much like uh, a character in Avatar, he discovers that the natural <laughs> world, the natural world is one that should be protected and saved. And uh, because we're all we're all connected, and that was that was the the the, co the, the core of it. And you know, I, it's so such a perfect metaphor for the reality of how what we're facing now. You know, the fact we're seeing things go awry in the environment, and we have to realize that you know, man, oh man, we have to be responsive to that because we're going to all feel it. 
Oh yeah. And I love you sort of stealing my questions, but I love that you dropped the avatar reference because <laughs> we all, it, you know, the biggest blockbuster ever not adjusted for inflation. I always mention that, but uh, you know, in today's dollars, it's so huge, but the whole time I'm watching, I was like, this is Fern Gully in space. <laughs> so you guys were ahead of, ahead of your time. Um, does that make you feel proud that, you know, that, that same story has, is echoing on and, and, and you know what I mean? You, you, you did it first. <laughs> It was pretty funny, you know, when they started doing the mashups online of the Ferngully Avatar trailers, it was pretty funny how close those things, how many how many things about the two were kind of matching. But, you know, I would never, I, I, James Cameron is a brilliant guy and I would right. never accuse him of like totally ripping us off. But I do think that I have been told that his kids were watching it. So you never know. You so. never know. Yeah, no, I, yeah, I don't want to veer down too far. He's a visionary on his own. But yeah, it, it, I'm sure it was seeping into his conscience, along with Pocahontas and a bunch of other stuff. Dance with Wolves. You want, want it to seep in everybody's consciousness. That's the idea. It, well, it did. I'm telling you, um, I, I don't want to underdate myself, but I guess I was probably in about second grade when Fern Gully came out. So I was the perfect audience for this thing. And so to, let's um go remind me some of uh, let's remind everyone some of the, the cast on this thing because you mentioned Zach. That was you know Jonathan Ward. Krista was Samantha Mathis, but uh I guess Tim Curry as Hexes and but a lot of people and Christian Slater of course uh, a lot of people forget that you know you know Robin Williams was you know he did the genie the same year in Aladdin but a lot of people forget he was baddie baddie Batty Coda, is that how you say it? Yeah, we yeah he was Batty Coda. We got him first. It was his first animated voice, and he he signed on because he loved the project and he loved the message, you know. And of course, Batty Coda, if there's one character that symbolizes the whole point of the movie, it's Batty. He is nature, basically abused by man in, in a character, and uh, Robin loved that, and he just made that character come alive. And all the personality changes and everything that he did. It was it was really a natural thing for that character with the little wires in his head. It just became so perfect for Robin to do. And I always say the toughest thing for me on that film was picking the best Robin William take because <laughs> he would do like 10 improvisations and they would all be just brilliant. So you had to go, oh man, how do I pick one? So anyway. The guy, rest in peace. The guy's brain moved faster than probably just about anybody. And you know, the famous famously, the stories are, you know, that you know, uh, Aladdin couldn't even be nominated for a script, you know, Oscar nomination because so much of it Robin improvised in the booth. It wasn't even the writers. So I assume yeah. it sounds like that was sort of the, the case here. Uh, he, he was just riffing a lot of it. So it was like, what what do we what do we use and what do we throw uh, like his cutting room floor stuff's probably funnier than most people's written stuff. You say animation is all about visual storytelling. And, yeah. you know, that's what we're all about. Um, and that's why we went to we went to Australia. We did that, you know, that research trip because we wanted people to realize that the actual forest with the real plants and animals that we're talking about is as magical as any fantasy world that you could create. Yeah. And, uh, you know, that in a way uh, was a message, you know, that was a visual message in itself that what you're watching here on screen is something you can actually save. Right. Exactly. And, um, and it's just cool when you, when you're watching it and you're, you're, you can, if you listen closely, you're like, that's Cheech and Chong. That's Tone Loke. That's <laughs> the whole character. Were great. They were so much fun. Um, yeah. There's stories, of course, you cannot tell about Cheech and Chong on, on radio. <laughs> you can only imagine them. So, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Their rainforest was uh, of the smokable kind. I'm sure <laughs> different different grass. They were in their rainforest. You can't pass up that that opportunity with Chi Chi Chong. I won't say that. 
you can say yeah. no more. Uh, haze over that rainforest. But no, the other thing that pops in my mind when I think of Fern Gully, in addition to the, you know, the cast and the animation, I, th- I, I think of that, the, uh, you know, the land of a thousand dances, the na, 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 na on, on the little Walkman, right? Uh, of course it was, who was it? Was it Wilson Pickett originally? Um, I think there was like a 90s sample cover that, w- that came out around the same time. That that song was kind of hot, but talk about that that song's place in the movie. Well, you know, all the songs when you're making it, our thing was never stop the never stop the story with a song. Every song has to move things forward and be appropriate. And Tim Sexton was our music supervisor, and you know, all through that movie, like you know that that was a cover. But some of those songs in there, like you know, if you're gonna eat somebody, you know, Jimmy Buffett wrote that. <laughs> the, the richest man in the music industry came yeah. into our studio and sat with us at the Moviola and, and he looked at that, you know, and I remember the only thing I said to him, I said, Jimmy, you know, animals don't really have buffets, you know, <laughs> so maybe you should alter that lyric. And he just kind of looked at me as if to say, you realize I'm a billionaire, right? And, <laughs> and of course he didn't change the lyric. So that song and the, and the, and the, and the Walkman song were great. And I thought the Raffi song, you know, going through the treetops and everything yeah. was so lyrical, you know, Raffi at the time, every kid in the world loved Raffi. So again, it's unusual, you know, I mean, it's not a Broadway musical type of music, but the music just fits and it's so varied, you know, I mean, man, Tim Curry knocking out that, you know, at Hex's song. I mean, yeah. the variety of music in the in the in the film is kind of amazing. You know, kind of unique. It really is. And I guess you got Alan Silvestri doing the what, like the score, the, the instrumental stuff. I mean, he was what Roger had just done Roger Rabbit and Back to the Future. I guess he would do Forrest Gump a couple years after for Gully like that. He was that was on his uh, he was on a roll there, <laughs> but. Um, Man, uh, it, it's, it's just a phenomenal uh, piece of filmmaking. And as, we, as we're talking about it and remembering everything, I'm, I'm going to, dare I say, I mean, very underrated now that it, now we're going through all of it. I'm like, this is some of the best on every level that we're talking. The music, the animation, the cast, everything. Uh, well, we appreciate you, you joining us. I know I know um, you got to jump to another one. I guess just sort of in closing, you know, talk to our listeners that you know maybe they haven't watched in a, in a while or maybe they've grown up and their parents now and and you know they have kids that haven't watched it why should they you know grab this blu-ray and and revisit the world of fern gully well like i say it immerses you in a world that everybody should to know about and think about and that's the fact that the beauty of nature is a natural thing and it's something that's worth preserving and worth uh, worth protecting and worth maybe altering your life a little bit to protect and the other thing I'll say is, remember, this is one of the last truly hand-drawn films, and the magic of hand-drawn animation is different from CG. It just has a different magic to it because it, 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 it's pure illusion. It doesn't have to exist as a model. Whatever the animators drew, they make you believe those characters are there through drawings, and that's something that's being lost in features, and Fern Gully is a fantastic example of it. So those kids were watching computer stuff all day. Yeah watch Fern Gully, enjoy those characters, watch the acting, watch the, the way it works. It's just so much fun to see. Yeah. Do you, by the way, before we run, do you, do you think they would ever make a, a comeback, the hand-drawn animation, or is that like the gene, no pun intended, the genie's out of the bottle because CGI is just, I guess, so, you know, so easy now, but um, could it ever come back as a, a large uh, wave or is it more just like in spurts? We'll see it here and there. It's, it's, it's the ability to do it is there. It's getting more and more difficult because the artists who know that skill mm-hmm. are disappearing. You know, they made claws a couple of years ago, which was basically hand drawn, but it was so kind of overly done with, uh, with CG technique that you didn't even realize it was, it was 2d 
Um, I, we all hope, all of us from the old days, the old animators, we all hope it's not a lost art because again, there is something so captivating and, and just kind of transformative about watching the illusion of drawing as opposed to the reality of dimensional CG. There's something wonderful to watch and we really hope that it will come back. But until it does, we have Fern Gully. Yeah, I, I'm with you. I, I miss it. And I'm sure it took a lot, you know, it takes longer to do. I mean, I, I, how long did it take to actually do this, by the way? Well, that was a miracle and you, you wouldn't know it, but we did the whole film in two years, which is a miracle. But I'll give you one thing is we used, we created 16 tons of artwork, 32,000 pounds of drawings and backgrounds and paintings. Four tons of that was cell vinyl paint. I know it's a little hard to comprehend, but wow, that's a lot of, of trees. Hundreds, <laughs> yeah, hundreds of thousands of drawings and tons of paint, and uh, that was that was the world of hand drawing and hand painting. And again, that's something that I feel you. It feels different when you watch it on the movie screen. You know, people loved handling that artwork, and I think the love comes across. I think it does. You know, it's not pixels. It had more of a soul. I don't know how to describe it. It sounds so esoteric, but the characters had a little bit of a soul because each of their movements were, were hand drawn by a human touch. So I, I don't know. I guess you could say that there's a human touch, a hand moving the cursor on digital, but it's not the same. But um, any, but you're, as you say, we will always have Fern Gully. So, hey, thanks for doing this. Um, it's the 30th anniversary Blu-ray of Fern Gully, The Last Rainforest. Everyone pick it up now. Uh, director Bill Croyer. Hey, thanks for doing this. This was a, a great blast from the past. Hey, talking to you and don't forget those extras there's a lot of really fantastic extras on that on that new blu-ray besides just the movie itself so don't miss those awesome sounds good hey thanks for doing this okay great to see you thank you bye 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 Thanks so much for listening to Beyond the Fame with Jason Fraley. Our theme music is Scott Buckley's Clarion. Remember to give us a five-star rating if you like what you hear. We'll see you next time. wanted to take a second to tell you about an app I really enjoy. Living in the D.C. area is great, and Podcast D.C. gathers all of the local shows that I like all in one local app. Health, sports, local news, politics, and so much more. Podcast D.C. is the new local app with hundreds of D.C. area podcasts to choose from. I can earn exciting rewards just for listening and share the podcasts I love instantly. Available in the App Store or in Google Play, listen local with Podcast D.C.